Okay, welcome to the latest United podcast. Um, a very special podcast. Larry, do you know what today should have been? I have no idea, mate, but I'm sure you're going to tell me. Well, exactly. That's the point of it. This was the day Liverpool were supposed to be having their trophy parade through the streets of Liverpool. So um, I'm happy that they're not having to do it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we get to unfortunately miss cousins and sisters and aunties and uncles pretending that they're, you know, deeply in love and celebrating a trophy win. So fantastic news for all. No, definitely what makes the world a far better place in this time of need. But um, we're recording this just, I think, I don't think there has been an announcement, but it looks as though the Premier League are about to make an announcement in regards to they need a vote in for teams to return to training. And I think you were saying in terms of they need uh, 14 of the teams to vote in favour of the bill, and it looks like 14 teams will vote um, for the teams to return training next week. Um, what's the latest you've heard on it? Yeah, that's pretty much spot on, mate. Uh, so where it's sitting at the moment, again, a lot of uh, scepticism by players. Um, but yeah, it looks like 14 out of 20 clubs, if they all, so if majority rules, then the they'll be able to return in groups. So it'll be five uh, groups of five initially, and then that'll gradually increase as they look towards a June 19 start yeah. or restart, I should say. Well, June, well, speaking of the start, we obviously, like everyone else around the world, did tune in to probably our first live Bundesliga match in years. Um, but it was a good game, so what, we both watched it. Um, obviously, we'll get into the sort of the um, sort of what we thought of the social distancing measures and everything that surrounded the match. But the actual return of football, uh, what did you make of it? Well, it was outstanding, and. Look, you've said this as well. Perhaps it was because there was just simply a return of football. It could have been the most boring nil all drawn. I probably would have thought it was fantastic. But in all honesty, um, I watched the... It was Dortmund Schalke. And I think without the fans, you actually can enjoy the... Not enjoy is the wrong word. But you can kind of um, dissect the game a little bit better. I feel... When you're watching a game with crowds, maybe they're just little snippets of the game that you just kind of pass you by. Whereas I felt myself a lot more focused in what tactics both sides were trying to do. And uh, I thought from that point of view, it was actually really enjoyable to watch. How good is Haaland? Honestly, how good is he? Look, he's a, very, he's a player and obviously when he's in good form like that, it's going to cause more, more and more debate amongst United fans in terms of what we should we have got him, should we have... Um, Stumped up the fee and dealt with Ray Ola, but um, I'm sure that is a podcast for another day. He's still been linked with United, um, only, um, what is he, four months into his time at Dortmund? Yeah. So um, yeah. it is one that definitely will not go away. But just on the actual match, and I completely agree in terms of your thoughts on the match, and I think a lot of that is down to almost the non-atmosphere. It's sort of just one, well, I wouldn't say an atmosphere is distracting. But probably technically it is, even subconsciously. So it, I think uh, your brain's just more easily concentrated on the actual football when it is the only thing on your mind or only thing in front of your eyes. But um, the main thing to talk about in terms of the football um, or the Bundesliga return is the measures that were in place in regards to taking the field. Like Obviously, there was no pre-match handshake. There was no walking out of the tunnel at the same time. My real weird one, which I cannot get my head around and no, no one can change my opinion, is the stupidity of the benches being... Or made to be social distancing while they're on the bench. I think they even had the mask when they were um, on yeah. the bench. Yeah. And then obviously the subs come on the field and start sweating over their opponents. 
So um, what did you make in terms of the measures? I saw post-match interviews that were done from afar sort of thing, like just your general um, opinion of what, what you saw. Look, the bench is a funny one, but let me, like for an argument's sake, I guess you could say if they were breaching social distancing while they're on the bench, imagine that the story that that creates. So I can understand, though, again, what you're saying, like if you're going to run on the field anyway, what difference does it make? But um, look, I don't have an issue with it. I understand there's millions of viewers watching in, tuning in. Um, I, I don't I don't know about you, Tom. I haven't watched a single Bundesliga game this season, so... Mm. Um, the fact that there was a lot of eyes on there, may, perhaps it's just, you know, sending a message and it's one for maybe younger kids. You know, if we're doing it, you can do it and so forth. Yeah, I think it's definitely a case of, I don't want to go sort of down a political route, but it almost is that just sending a message, they're making sure they tick all the boxes and do the right thing, even if they disagree with it. They're the ones leading the way and um, they cannot put a foot wrong in terms of sort of stepping on the government's toes, etc. So... Fair play to them because they are the ones leading the way at the moment. I think there are a few other leagues, but in terms of the big ones, um, the Bundesliga is showing us how it can be done. And um, hopefully um, the English clubs in regards to that vote can see that, well, if they're playing, maybe it's time we start to get our players back at the training ground. Um, Hopefully we've all sort of seen photos start to filter through of some of the United players doing their sort of fitness training out in the park. Um, Do you see that photo of Big Scott McTominay when he's... I wouldn't call it a sports bra, but he was wearing it almost like a sports bra. Yeah, so those are they're like the um, they're kind of like GPSs. Yeah. yeah, they track you. Um, but man, he's looking shredded, and he's motivating me to get my diet on track. Let me tell you. Well, well, the one thing before we move on to the podcast, we're going to talk about a lot of the names being linked with United. Um, the main thing I took from the actual football side of the um, the Dortmund and Schalke match, which I think might sort of benefit United or when United return to football United will um, sort of be in quite a good stead is regardless of tactics regardless of quality of player etc I thought Dortmund was simply fitter than Schalke and I thought that's all it came down to I thought the first 20 minutes Schalke just could not keep up with the pace of Dortmund and I think and look I'm sure every other Premier League player is putting a lot of fitness work in and staying fit and doing the best they possibly can but I have a feeling a lot of United players will Maybe it's a lot. It's quite a young side, so they're just naturally going to be fitter. But I have a feeling United potentially will go back one of the fittest sides, and in this almost mini season, it'll almost be like a mini sort of pre-season tournament sort of thing. I think it'll stand us in really good stead. I think if we are the fittest team, especially if we're racing for what are we racing for the top four spot, um, I have a feeling mm-hmm. the fittest team will be the most most successful team. Yeah, um, look, you're not wrong, and if that game proved anything, perhaps all the mileage and the running and the pressing that Solskjaer and uh, the team have been, or the coaching staff have been trying to put into the team, who knows, hopefully it pays off. Yeah, no, 100%. Now we will get on to everyone's favourite topic and transfer rumours, and who knows um, how many of these will come true, probably none, hopefully a few of them, because the squad definitely does need investment. But where a lot of the rumours are being sort of focused around at the moment is up front. And there's so many different ways to debate this now because we can always debate the Martial and Rashford, what's their best position. You just mentioned Haaland, so his, his name is always going to be in the background. We've got a Galo situation, which is changing by sort of every single day that sort of um, situation is changing. 
And there's been a few names linked. Um, obviously, Musa Dembele from Lyon has been linked quite heavily. But also the latest, and again, when we say reliable, who knows how reliable it is. However, Duncan Castles, who is a big fan of Larry, and Larry's a big fan of him, um, is quite adamant that Raul Jimenez from Wolves is definitely a target of Solskjaer. And Larry and I were discussing this earlier, um, and again, it trickles back into the Anthony Martial debate in terms of do we need Jimenez, it would be a good signing. Obviously, at his age and the cost will sort of play a part in this, if it's a good signing or not. But just your general first thoughts on if Jimenez is a proper target of Solskjaer, you happy with it or not happy with it, etc.? Oh, Tom, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, look, I, I think he's a quality player. I think he's had now two good seasons um, at Wolves. And look, I understand all of that. And I understand that he's a, you know, quote unquote, traditional number nine. But I just don't, I just don't understand that deal. And look, call me biased, right? I think Martial has proven that as the season's gone on, he's getting that instinct for being a... You know, I'm not going to say a traditional number nine because if I'm being honest, I think that that sort of moulded player is actually getting out of the game completely. Uh, but Martial's getting that instinct for being in the box. Look at his goal um, as early as round two against Wolves. Um, that when it was Rashford and he just one touch finish with his uh, weaker weaker foot. Uh, the goal against Chelsea in January. The other thing to consider with Martial is he's been playing behind a midfield that has really lacked creativity and it doesn't matter if you think he doesn't make movement because he does but if you the creative forces behind you are not there you can't create opportunities for yourself I mean unless you're Cristiano Ronaldo but even then you need some sort of service um I just feel like he's he's just now starting to really bear the fruits and we saw it with Fernandez coming in He's starting to get that instinct in the box. And yes, he could be better. And we saw with Igalo, you know, he scores more of the traditional fox-in-the-box goals. But I feel like if we buy someone like a Jimenez, does, it, does that mean it's the end of Martial? Um, you know, I just don't feel like that's the quality of player where you say, okay, he's worth putting ahead of him. You know, if you're telling me you're going to bring in a Haaland, or you're going to bring in a Lewandowski, someone who is heads on clearly above Martial and what he brings in 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 terms of the number nine position, then I just can't make sense of that deal. Well, my argument to that, and, and I'll caveat this with saying that Martial is a better player or is a player that I, ha- I rate higher than Raul Jimenez. However, I think we need to get to the stage where we don't have, we can't sort of just think, okay, he's a better player. We need to look at it from the point of view of what does Solskjaer want? And Jimenez might not be a better player than Martial, but he might be almost a better, like a tool for Solskjaer. He might be just fit that piece of the jigsaw a little bit better. And that's, that's a balance act you have to find. You want to sort of lessen the quality, but have something that'll suit your manager and suit your team a little bit better than Martial. And I'm not saying Martial doesn't suit Solskjaer's plan. However, we do look at what Solskjaer, and again, these are a lot of it is media speculation, but we do see the names linked with United, and there is where the smoke is fire. And we see a lot of these strikers. We see Haaland, we see Dembele, we see Jimenez of the Harry Kane rumour, make, make of that what you, what you will. But Solskjaer is, by all reports, looking at a centre-forward. He obviously brought Igalo in, um, a traditional number nine. So I think he's looking for a striker. And if that is the case, you need to give him what he wants. And I think Jimenez, in terms of strikers out there, and look, I think he's 29, so he'll obviously be 30 next season. I'm assuming in the new market, I'll 
I'll guess he'd probably be less than 50 million. Um, considering his age, considering the financial position Wolves will probably be in post-lockdown. I have a feeling he's probably the my... If I was to sign a striker, obviously Jaden Sancho is different. I think a lot of the window will depend on both Jaden Sancho and Paul Pogba. But if we are to sign a striker, I think out of all the options, he's probably the best option. I think he's Premier League proven. I think he's a complete striker. He gives us nightmares when he plays against every second week when we play Wolves, it seems like. And I just think... If Solskjaer did, does need a striker or a traditional number nine, I think he suits suits the team better than Anthony Martial at the moment. And that's not to say Anthony Martial should be dropped. However, it might be the price we have to pay to improve. I think there's definitely room for competition in the squad. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that if you can get... It's, I think with Jimenez, what you do get is... Competition, And I don't think, for at least for me, I don't think it's a like-for-like. Like. I don't think it's a, he goes ahead of him or he goes ahead. I think perhaps Solskjaer sees something in Martial where he's like, he is a good player, but I just need some competition for him to keep him on his toes. We saw it with um, Oli himself, was a substitute striker for a lot of his career um, at United. And <clears throat> he, he said he always took the opportunity of being on the bench as... Um, something where you can come on and impress the impress the manager, perhaps. I mean, you know, to be fair, I feel like Martial prior to January, uh, his form did dip off, and it wasn't until Igalo came in where Martial started to see a, a peak, and it was from January onwards that he started scoring goals. Was that because of uh, Fernandez? <clears throat> Pardon me, potentially. Um, but even he started scoring goals prior to Fernandez coming in uh, the Chelsea game, for, for instance. Um, so I think if you can get competition, and it, it looks like Igalo is going to leave, if it's get Jimenez in for the $40 million that you're talking about, you're right. I think that perhaps there is a competition there. And if Martial is not up to scratch, then I could see a case for saying, okay, Jimenez comes in. Well, yeah, well I completely agree. And I, again, maybe the next week's podcast, I'll probably opt for Martial over Jimenez. It's one of those ones that does change. I think the latest YouTube compilation I saw was uh, Raul Jimenez, which is probably why he's on the tip of my tongue at the moment. But one thing about Martial I want to bring up with you, and obviously you're a big fan of Martial, but um, he's almost one of those players we always look at, especially in a situation like this, when you're maybe on the verge of investing on a big strike, you think, well, how good can Anthony Martial become? Uh, maybe we should stick with him and he'll improve, he'll develop um, he, he just needs to find his position once he gets going he'll be fantastic however look at it, we signed him in 2015 it's now 2020 and again he's, everyone has a little bit of a joke about Jesse Lingard saying he's a young player etc and everyone has a bit of a joke but the joke's about as old as Jesse Lingard is at the moment Martial's probably creeping up in it I'm not saying he's an old player at all but he's been around for five years at United. And again, he's not, he's, that's not a sign for me to say, OK, get rid of him. I think he's got a really good career at United. But I just think we need to sort of think maybe he is what he is. Maybe he isn't going to improve. He's just he's almost that player. I don't want to compare. I just saw on Facebook earlier a couple of Nani quotes. He's obviously done the latest United podcast. And um, he's one of those players. Brilliant. Fantastic. However, he is what he is. He's going to be very inconsistent. Is Martial just going to be what he is? I don't. I don't agree with that. Um, look, yes, he has been at United for this is his fifth year. But let's take some things into account. In his first season, brilliant, seventeen goal return. Uh, 
in um, then Jose Mourinho comes in. He brings him in and out. Doesn't really back him. Um, in uh, Mourinho's second season, Martial was in red hot form. He he was scoring goals for fun. Brings in Alexis Sanchez and drops him for no reason. Uh, and then um, Marine, and then again, um, prior to Mourinho leaving, he saw a purple patch, um, and then he dipped off towards the end of last season. So he's been brought in and out. The other thing to consider is he hasn't had a consistent position. He's been left wing, um, a little bit of striker, but now he's started to come back into being a pure number nine. So that's quite disruptive for a player trying to settle into a squad. And the other thing is, the squad as a whole has been inconsistent. So I don't think it's fair to say Martial hasn't kicked on. By the same principle, Rashford and Martial had started the same season at United. I know Mar- uh, Rashford came in uh, later in the season, but if we're speaking on the same principle, and I believe it's only two years that separates them, are they not on similar trajectories in terms of goal return this season? I think they are. And I don't see anyone saying Mar- Marcus's position should be under threat. So why are we having the debate about Martial? Yeah, no, all very fair points. But I think it's one of those ones where you say it's not very fair to sort of make that. And I completely agree. However, football's not very fair. And it's, okay, it's not fair that sort of Martial had to deal with the problems that Jose Mourinho brought. However, that's part of the story. That's part of what is part of his development. It might have affected him negatively and you will have to deal with that. It's not just a case of, oh, he had a bad manager here. Wait till he gets a good manager. Um, other many other players had to deal with that under Jose Mourinho and develop. I'm not saying Martial hasn't dealt with it well. It's just, it's part of it. Football isn't fair. And um, again, I do want Martial. Well, he's to... got uh, 16 goals. 16 goals this season before we got all blocked away into our homes as prisoners. So he was on track to have his best goal scoring return for United. Oh no! Yeah, no, fantastic, fantastic in that regard. I'm just saying, in terms of that number nine, maybe Solskjaer in terms of. If he had a different number nine, would Solskjaer, would the team benefit more and our new number nine would then be on 20 goals by that stage, etc. Again, I'm not saying that wouldn't be the case or wouldn't be the case. However, I think Solskjaer definitely is looking for a striker. And if the manager is looking for something, whether it's right or wrong, you do need to back the manager 100%. And I'm not quite sure. He, I think he definitely rates Martial, but he rates Martial as that sort of that just that flare option etc not that one person you can rely on to score goals in to support your argument i will say that is martial a better footballer than erling haaland 100% but is erling haaland a better striker he is 100 and again just looking purely at his goal return so look it's a valid argument well, i guess time will I tell think that's the, in terms of ability you put you put martial in our top three players with Pogba and Bruno in terms of his ability and what he brings as a player. But it's one of those things where, okay, that's a fantastic player, but it's about fitting the jigsaw pieces together. But um, who knows, maybe next week when Jimenez is linked with Liverpool or Arsenal, um, we'll move on to another target to debate. But um, moving on to the next target, and one that, look, it, it, was, big, it was big news about a month or two, about two months ago, um, it died down a little bit. Obviously, speaking about Dortmund um, previously, he was obviously linked with Dortmund as well. And it looks like it's between us and Dortmund. Um, but Jude Bellingham from Birmingham, is He's for a 16-year-old from Birmingham City. Um, the latest on that, you are talking that Duncan Castles has had a little bit to say about him. 
Yeah, Duncan Castle surprisingly had a lot of positive things to say about United today. I was like, uh, is he okay? Has he, has he got uh, COVID? Or... Anyway, um, yeah, so it looks like Jude Bellingham is favouring a move to United and he's not the only one to report it. Um, there's a few supporting articles in, in the UK that suggest... Um, look, this doesn't mean he signs anything, but it, it seems like he's... He's um, uh, being appealed or being attracted to United because he's looking at the the youth who are getting opportunities. Brendan William, Mason Greenwood, um, Tahith Chong at, towards the end of the season. Look at Astana, the amount of debuts that went out, etc. Um, the other thing is, if you look at our midfield, you know, he's a big body, he's strong, and I could see him as someone who could potentially be in the first team within uh, 12 months, really. Um uh, the the lengths that United went to, I, I believe he met Sir Alex as well. So um, they've gone a great lengths to try to attract him to the club. And it goes on that, I uh, know we'll talk about this, this philosophy of attracting young players. So look, if you've seen him play, he's, um, he's, he's big, he's physical. He handles himself in the championship. And that's, that's very impressive. That's a very physical league. I'd even say it's more physical than the Premier League. Um, so to do that at his age, there's a promising player in there, no doubt. How much you think, and again, we'll discuss it a little bit uh, later on in the podcast, but we've obviously mentioned it previously in terms of his youth strategy in, to, in regards to recruitment. He's obviously a young player, okay, that's fantastic. You can bring him, bring him in. However, the difference in terms of this deal is that most young players will cost the club maybe 50 grand or 500 grand or maybe a million, maybe 2 million. This guy's going to cost 30 million maybe 40 million etc so um just how sort of far do you go for a 16 year old well i think this one's different because he's playing professional football um at at the highest level i mean i guess i know he's not in the in the premiership proper but he's playing at a very high level of competition when we're buying these other players, um, like your Tahith Chong's, Fosu Mensah, uh, etc., we're buying them as, as pure youth prospects who are not playing top-flight football. They're playing under-16s, under-18s. This guy is playing with men, and he's 16 years of age. He's also English, so there's no inevitably going to be the English tax. Um, so based on that, if you're... If you take the gamble, like let's say it is thirty million or fifteen million with add-ons, etc. If he goes on to have a even a five year, a five seasons with United, it doesn't work out. You sell him; it will be for more than that. Um, but then he could be successful, and then he's worth sixty, seventy million down the track, and he plays for ten years. So I, I feel like it's a deal where United can't really lose. Um, so, I mean, for me, I'm happy for it. I think if you look at the player, it's there's more potential for success than failure. So why not? If we can get the deal done, um, I think $30 is about right. Well, we'll touch on, as I said, a little bit towards the end of the podcast in regards to the youth recruitment. However, it just popped up um, earlier. I was reading that it looks like Jimmy Garner is potentially all but set to go out on loan. Um, and again, he's one of those players as fantastic as he is. Maybe the writings on the wall. He'll just be one of those great young players who just doesn't just doesn't get that chance. Did um, you look at our midfield now? Um, it's almost it's hard to sort of imagine it when um, we're sort of playing so bad under sort of around the Christmas period um, that our midfield position is almost what you'd call stacked now. Um, we've got McTominay, Bruno, Fred, Pogba. Um, you add Jude Bellin into that, etc. It'll be hard for a player like Jimmy Garner to get in. So um, it, 
just all, another sort of area of that youth recruitment debate in terms of we have these fantastic young players, however, we're going to loan them out to go and sign a 16-year-old from another club. But um, we'll definitely get into that at the end. But another English player who is going to attract quite a transfer fee, and it looks, I don't believe this story, but it sounds like Aston Villa. And again, who knows what what it sounds like. But it looks like they want the full fee for Jack Grealish, whatever that means. I've read $80 million. I think that has to be nonsense. I would probably say they mean more, so $60 million. But it looks like Aston Villa, like uh, like Dortmund with Sancho, don't want to sort of budge on the fee. They want to stick to a pre-coronavirus fee. However, I don't see how that's possible. I think, yeah, eighty million. I, I think if if they value a player at eighty million, I think in a couple of months' time, when the transfer window is in play, I think that's about fifty fifty million, maybe sixty million. Yeah, there's no chance in hell United are doing a deal that costs them eighty million pounds for. Jack Grealish, I don't even think they're paying that much in a post-pandemic uh, transfer window, let alone one where it looks like, obviously, the transfer market will be impacted. We'll see what happens, Tom. But look, if, if United pay more than $60 million for this, um, I think they're getting a, a really short end of the stick. Well, there's one of those players I remember a couple of weeks ago, we discussed on the podcast, we said, who do you think's going to sign? And he was the one I was saying, I think the most likely we're going to sign. However, football and football fans are very fickle, and now I'd say he's maybe, if if deals are to be done, I'm not. I've no idea what the transfer window will look like, but um, he's definitely slipped down. Not that I'm saying no to him, I definitely welcome him at United. I think he's a great player, and I think he'd be a great character to have at United. However, um, again, we can only go by the reports, but just the way reports are sort of falling at the moment, um, he's slipping down. What sort of if I was to rate uh, rate the chances of a potential signing. Um, I don't think he is as close as we probably thought a month or two ago, but um, I'm sure we'll be discussing Grealish and that um, transfer fee soon because who knows what sort of position Aston Villa will, will be in, and I think United, um, which we'll discuss, will be sort of almost the strongest club post-coronavirus. I think we're in a very good position off the pitch. No, no, I wouldn't say in a good position in, in, sort of in relation to how the coronavirus will affect us, but especially compared to other clubs, I think United will look quite strong. But um, before we move on to that sort of youth recruitment debate, um, one player you mentioned to me before we went on air you wanted to talk about, um, you gave me the wrong player. You were telling me he was Colo Toure. So I was Googling Colo Toure and all I could find was the ex-Arsenal defender and Liverpool defender. I was thinking, surely we're not signing him. But um, after a little bit of digging, you mean a guy called Barlow or Balo Toure? You um, <laughs> said a, yeah. a fullback from Monaco, which I obviously know absolutely nothing about. But um, you're saying he is the latest linked with United, and um, I just a fullback again. I don't. I would be shocked if United are considering a fullback at the moment. Yeah, uh, Fode Balotore. Um, I I don't look. I, I would agree with you. Uh, however, because of the nature of this pandemic and the way it's going to impact the transfer window, I could see United spending some serious dough. And in what was a target perhaps two seasons ago is actually going to be brought forward because they realise that these other clubs, they're going to need to liquidate to just create some funds to keep themselves afloat. And it's United would be naive to not take advantage of the market. So if this is a player that you're scouting um, and you believe you can get the deal done, I think get it done. Um, from what I've seen of him... Um, he he's he's super quick. 
I'd be very keen to see him and uh, Dan James in a race over 100 metres. He is that fast. Um, got a good cross on him. He's defensively a little bit... He pushes up a lot. Um, but again, he's 23 years of age. That can always be coached into him. I think the concern is, when I look at Luke Shaw, and as promising as his form was, there is a concern for me in the final third. I just don't feel like he gets up and down that flank the way a, a fit and firing fullback should. Um, it's still too much in bits and drabs for me. Brendan Williams looks promising. I love his tenacity. I love his attitude. But there has to be a question around his quality. Uh, and that's you know that's not me saying he's an, a terrible player. I think there's definitely a place for a Brendan Williams in the squad. But can you see him as a fullback for us winning a premiership? I'm not. I'm not so sure. So just based on that, if, if this is a deal you can get done, go for it. I don't see why not. I think it's one of those, and again, I know nothing about him. I haven't even seen a YouTube video of him. But just given the sort of the age of our fullbacks, both on the right hand side and the left hand side, and I'd still sort of class Luke Shaw in that, yet sort of in that young bracket almost. Um, I wouldn't, unless the fullback was thirty, and he's a you're bringing in a first team player or someone who was happy to be um, second choice. I don't see the need for huge investment at fullback, simply given the age of our fullbacks. Um, you can almost see it at striker because um, maybe lacking a little bit of numbers. If Agallo goes out the door, you do do need that experience where Jimenez comes in as a thirty-year-old. He can do those three or four, uh, two or three seasons up front for United. However, if we're looking at a fullback to come in to do the next ten years, I, I think Luke Shaw can still be there for the next seven or eight years. I think Brandon Williams can be there for ten years. Same on the right-hand side with Delo and um, Juan Bissaka. So. Um, and I'll have to do my YouTube scouting on him. Um, I'll make sure I don't type in Colo Toure, because um, that'll be some... Um, it would mainly be bloopers, wasn't it, with Colo Toure when he was at Liverpool? <laughs> but um, we'll definitely get into... I'm sure his name will pop up in future podcasts, especially when the transfer window opens. But we will look at sort of the youth strategies to finish on the podcast. Well, mainly all the transfer news has surrounded this debate. But the question was, sort of, can a youth strategy in terms of the recruitment to the of players, can that be enough for a title challenge? And whether that is a title challenge the next season or the season after in the next couple of years, um, do you think it's enough or do you think you still need to go by the tried and tested uh, formula of getting the best players in? Uh, it's a hard one. Um, okay, I, I did think deeply about this today and... The thing what Sir Alex did, uh, particularly, I'm trying, I want to think of... So if we look at the, the period in the 2000s, uh, we saw three seasons where he didn't win anything. But what he did do is he got the nucleus of a good team together. He got Rooney, Ronaldo, and that, that was clearly who he was building around. He got Tevez in that period. Uh, and then he got Berbatov. He got Berbatov, who was a, a little bit older, but again, not not seriously old. How long? How old was Berbatov when we signed him? Would have been twenty six, twenty seven. My guess would be a little bit older, but yeah, he wasn't. He definitely wasn't aging, but um, yeah, yeah, my guess was around thirty. And then the cherry on the top of that was Carrick, who at the time was twenty five. So, I don't think it's about signing eighteen year olds. Obviously, that won't be successful, but. I, I, do, I, do, I like what I'm seeing from United. Um, and I, I don't think United are going for a purely youthful side. Harry Maguire was signed as a 26-year-old. I think people forget that. Bruno Fernandes is around the perfect age. He's 25, so he, there's room for improvement, but he's 
you know, obviously not young anymore in terms of football. But the strategy is smart. What Solskjaer's doing is he's getting in players. And I think there's an element of politics to this as well. With youthful players, they're going to be less resistant to challenge uh, your tactics. They're going to be more willing to absorb um, the, the, the skills and the way you go around your training programs. I think what the biggest change when managers take over is... Uh, you see it with older players as well. It takes a while to adapt to a new manager, and that's because they get used to a certain style. We saw it with um, when when Mourinho first took over. It took there was a hangover of the side, wasn't there, with the way that Louis wanted to play. Yeah. We saw it at times where they'd always almost go back to that possession based that we had under Van Gaal. Um, but after, eventually, it did pass. But again, that was an older playing group. I'm thinking there's an element here of if we get youthful players in, it it means that we'll get players who can stay at the club for a longer period of time. It means there's more value in them. It should not work out. But it's also an opportunity with the right blends of the right age, Harry Maguire's, Bruno Fernandes, maybe one more player in that age group, that 24 to 26, if you can get that player in in central midfield. I think it could be the perfect blend, Tom, and... Who's to say it can't be successful? I, I'm, I'm hopeful. Well, my, I wouldn't say a concern, but the way I'm looking at it, or the way I struggle to see which side of the fence I sit on, is who do you think mainly is behind it? Do you think it's what Solskjaer wants, or do you think it is something that's been pushed by the club where it's saying, okay, if Solskjaer can do this, that's fantastic, but if Solskjaer does move on, and it's, it's again, without a so-called director of football, but with the idea of, well, if Solskjaer moves on, we've still got this sort of platform we can build on. Um, if you were to put your money on it, on sort of who has more say in the matter, do you think is it pushed by the club, or do you think this is solely sort of pushed on by Solskjaer since he arrived? I think it's an element of both. Uh, I think the you know you know what, and I, I I've I've criticised the Glazers um, a fair bit, but what they did do, which I agree with now in hindsight, is. They didn't back Jose uh, in his third season, and I believe they did that because they just didn't agree with the older player, the older player signings or philosophy that he abided by, um, and I, they didn't back him because they, they saw it. Obviously, there's more value in signing youth. They just saw that with all the players we signed uh, under Jose, most of them had already left by that third season. So perhaps there was an element of okay. We're going to focus on youth. And then that was backed up by Solskjaer, who obviously saw Sir Alex and the way that he was with youth. And that this is not just a manager. He's a, he's a United fan through and through. He understands the philosophy of the club. So it's gone hand in hand. It's perhaps the perfect combination. But I think this is a philosophy that United will look to maintain post-Solskjaer, which I hope is in 20 years' time. But I think this will be the strategy that's here to stay now. Yeah, no, pretty much echoes my thoughts exactly. I um, pretty much agree. And, um, yeah, it's hard to... Thomas, there is a, almost a feel that like a director of football is sort of pulling the strings at United. However, we don't have one, or or potentially Ed Woodward is that man. But I'm obviously doing a... We can debate till the cows come home what we think of his actual success in that role. But um, it is weird how we're maybe taking the right steps, but without that person in place... Um, it's a really weird one to think about. Now, before we wrap up, I was just looking at my phone and um, looking at Twitter. I was looking to see if anything was on the um, come of the announcement from the Premier League. There is nothing, but um, I'm sure by the time you're a listener to this podcast, there is a little bit of news. 
but the news that has just come out, there's two bits of news. Um, La Liga have returned to training in groups of up to 10 people. Um, so I assume that is probably what the Premier League will do as well um, by the time you're listening to this. Um, do you have a, if you were to return to training now, Larry, like if in charge of United, do you see the purpose of that or do you think United will have everyone back and almost behind closed doors having a proper training session and sort of not really adhering? If everyone's back, they're just going to train or do you think it will be a very strict, okay, five people on this pitch, five people on that pitch and they'll be very strict with it? What do you think? I think they'll 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 definitely do it. They might split the group in terms of attackers and defenders initially. They'll do some initial conditioning, um, but no doubt when they put a start date on this, which I'm seeing conflicting reports. So the last thing I've read, uh, so this was updated with within the hour, um, June twelfth provisionally penciled in for games to restart. So that's being um, that's coming from Mirror Sky and BT. So if that's the case. Obviously, all the broadcast deals, uh, all the broadcast hosts, I should say. Uh, but we're seeing between June 12, June 19. So somewhere in there, uh, by the start of June, you're going to need a start to see some whole teams coming together. But at least at the start, there's no doubt the conditioning's going to be first and foremost. So I think it definitely it'll happen. Um, I, I, I can't see them. I, I don't want to jinx it, Tom, but um, I can't see the season getting... Um, Null and void. I think. I think it's especially now that we've seen the success of uh, Bundesliga. What you've just said with La Liga. I think this is going to happen. Well, the last point I was going to make was kind of in regards to that. And the latest tweet from Sky Sports only a few minutes ago was Celtic have just been awarded the um, Scottish Premier League title. Now I'm not sure what the situation was in Scotland. Whether I'm sure they're far ahead of second place, but I'm not sure how many games they had to go. Whether it was mathematic, whether they already had won it or not, etc. But um. That is, look, I think we've all accepted Liverpool are going to win the league. That's fantastic for them. Hats off to them. But um, it is, I wouldn't say scary, but quite concerning that, okay, that's happened in Scotland now. They're, they're the champions. The season was obviously finished in France, but PSG weren't awarded the trophy. Um, it just Have you sort of given up on sort of caring about Liverpool and the title, or are you still holding out hope that they're not going to get that trophy? Um. Well, so um, Ligue 1, uh, PSG were awarded uh, champions. No, again, I might be wrong, but I thought they were awarded um, first place winners. They actually weren't given the championship. They were sort of rewarded with finishing first. Yeah, Uh, yeah, like physically getting the trophy. No, you're spot on. yeah, look, I'm I'm honestly past it. I, I really don't care. I think I've already I processed in um, just after Christmas that they were going to win the league. To be honest, yeah. so, and the, you know what, their their light has been taken away from them. And at the, at the end of the day, that's all we wanted, yeah. wasn't it? Um, I obviously I hate this um, hate this virus. I hate what it's done. But if there's one positive, it was so funny. Uh, I remember saying World War Three, uh, climate change. There was all these things. What's going to stop Liverpool from winning the league? And behold, behold something happened. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, the light's been taken off them. As far as I'm concerned, there will be an asterisk next to their name. Um, whether the season's completed or not, no one's going to care. Look, you're going to look back in 10, 20 years' time. Oh, remember that time Liverpool won the league th- um, and broke their streak of 30 years without a title? Yeah, uh, there was no no one there to witness it. Yeah, I'll be happy as long as Jordan Henderson is lifting that um, Premier League trophy in an empty Anfield or an empty um, some St George's Park or Wembley or something in a neutral ground. 
But um, I think that is a good place to finish the podcast on, some positivity. Um, but I was just going to finish on... Obviously, I recorded last week a podcast, or a couple of days ago, sorry, a podcast with a very well-renowned doctor in South Africa, Dr. Barry Schmeiser. We'll put that podcast out in a couple of days. We just had a chat about his sort of life support in United. He's obviously got a, a lot of connections for anyone who follows him on Facebook and Twitter. Um, he's almost had a behind-the-scenes look over the years at United um, and made some very good friends, and he's obviously got an amazing memorabilia collection. So we'll put that podcast out in a couple of days. But um, until then, Larry, is there anything else, any other news breaking while we've got the phones out? No, I'm, I'm refreshing, but no, as it stands, we've covered everything. Okay, all good. And hopefully um, any Premier League announcement you have heard in the meantime doesn't conflict with anything we have said. Hopefully we're on, we are both on the ball with everything. Um, make sure you are following and liking and subscribing whatever your podcast app allows. Uh, we're very much appreciated. Um, closing in on 100 episodes. I'm, I'm, who knows, we might have 100 episodes before football returns at the rate we're going. But um, very much enjoying all the feedback and lovely support. So thank you very much. And we will chat to you very soon. Or you, you'll hear the Barry Schmeiser podcast in a couple of days. But um, I'm sure it won't be too long before you hear from Larry and myself. So... Have a good night, Larry. Bright and early for work tomorrow. Yeah, mate. See you next week. Have a good one. Cheers.